Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Queerness in the Shadow of the Holy Cross. Yep, let's start in. Um, just to explain a little bit more about what we're doing here, um, we're part of the CHIRP Lab, which stands for Collaborative Humanities Investigating Religion and Power, and uh, we're doing an undergraduate research program conducting this project. Yes, and particularly we are investigating faith formation, gender identity formation, um, like sexuality formation, and how those things interact, and what the role of Catholic institutions, particularly Holy Cross institutions, play in that formation. Yep, and so we're doing a little bit of case study uh, of our university and students at our university and alumni from our university, um, though it might expand a little bit beyond our university at some point. But yeah, we're at the University of Portland, um, located in Portland, Oregon. Go Pilots! Go Pilots! Um, yeah, so this is sort of working as both a research input and output. It's both our deliverable to be more public-facing with our research, um, and also these qualitative data collection interviews are also part of our <laughs> data collection that will be utilized for a more academic thesis <laughs> and deliverable of a peer-reviewed article. And we also hope that they are interesting or helpful to queer folks out there, particularly if you are a college student, super duper extra, particularly if you're a college student at our school, and especially <laughs> if you're listening to this because you know us and we told you to. Thank you so much. We love you. Yeah. So we want this to both be a resource as we do research about the resources on our campus. So yeah, that's the yeah. goal. Sit back. Enjoy. Our first interviewee is wonderful, and some of you may know them. Hi, we're here today with Fabi, and why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, yeah, so my name is Fabi. I use they, she pronouns. I identify as both queer in sexuality and gender, and I'm a recent graduate of the University of Portland. And we're super glad to have you here today. Me too. I was saying- Tell us a bit about yourself. Um, how do you identify religiously now? Uh, how do you identify as a part of the LGBTQ community? And also, please only share those things to like your comfort level. But give it, tell us about yourself. So um, my identity is pretty simple. I identify as both queer and sexuality and gender. Um, I used a lot of labels in my past in high school when I was figuring things out, but I just pretty much label myself as not cis, not hetero, not any of that. And religiously, I would say I'm spiritual with a lot of Catholic influence. Like I'm definitely coming back to a sort of faith after rejecting Catholicism for a really long time and definitely having aspects of Catholicism in what I believe in the way I, I pray or the way I like think about God. Can you tell us more about your experience as part of the LGBTQ community? So anything about when what when did you realize that you were part of the community when did you come out um yeah so when I was in the eighth grade this is like my first very vivid memory well it came after I discovered that girls could kiss and that was like a really baffling discovery for me because I was raised by like an immigrant family of Catholics so that just was not in my vocabulary at all and so it made me dive into like this oh my god I'm bisexual kind of crisis but I remember at the time feeling very conflicted with my faith because from what I had understood, like I was 13, I was just kind of coming into like thinking my own about politics. Like gay marriage wasn't even legal yet. It was 2013, which is weird to say. And 
I vividly remember writing, I'm bisexual in all caps on a piece of notebook paper, like circled like 15 times and like staring at it, like horrified and then crumpling it up and throwing it in the trash. And like at the time, that's what I felt like my faith needed me to do because I was taught a very strict version of Catholicism. I always say that I was raised not just Catholic, but Latin American Catholic, which is a little bit different culturally. And then it took about probably another six months for me to like kind of be like, no, I definitely like girls and like, this is fine. And it actually came out at a Catholic school. I went to a private Catholic school for a year and a half. And I remember I just stopped in front of two of my friends. She, I just said it to her, I was like, I'm bi. And both of my friends looked at me and went, okay. And that was it. And it was just such a baffling experience to like be in a Catholic space and have two of my friends who I knew were also Catholic be like, yeah, that's fine. That's okay. And my identity has gone through like several shifts and changes. I thought I was like lesbian for a little bit. I thought I was pan, just like figuring out like the hormones of teenagerness. But um, to switch a little bit the gender, because it's kind of two different journeys. Um, when I was 16, I started bringing up to my therapist that I felt not girl, but not man either. Like I was somewhere in this between spot. And then I kind of decided to myself that it wasn't a big enough amount of me that I needed to address it. And it wasn't until right before COVID where I sat my partner down and I said, hey, uh, I think I'm, I'm non-binary and I use she, they pronouns. And that discovery was a lot easier for me because I'd grown up in a lot more spaces that accepted that. And I wasn't necessarily as like scared of the possibility anymore. And also I'd been in college for two years at that point. And I think UP's environment definitely helped me become more comfortable with myself, especially because it's in Portland where there's so many queer people. So yeah, that was kind of my coming out journey. A little long, sorry. No, not at all. Be as long as you want. <laughs> you mentioned that you grew up or had experienced more spaces where like gender queerness was more accept accepted or represented than like sexuality queerness. Like, did, did I, am I interpreting that right? And can you no, say more about that? I just, it's like a 13, 14 year old when I was coming out as like sexually queer, that gender identity, it was a little early for that. Not like for it to be like accepted, but there wasn't as many people my age who were trans. Remember, I'm like four years older than you guys. So yeah. I'm an old guy. <laughs> um, and then by the time I got to high school, I met a lot more trans individuals. And my best friend of several years was actually trans, um, trans man. So it helped me asking him questions, kind of helped me see like, oh, there's so much more to the LGBTQ that I hadn't really been exposed to before. And that's what kind of led me being like, oh, wait, I'm not girl. Great. Thank you. I love how you say that. I'm not girl. <laughs> the best description of my gender identity, because I'm not directly in the middle either. Yeah. Like, I'm, I always say I'm left of girl. And then uh how has your gender sexuality experience affected your faith uh throughout your life that's a hard question um I think like I said uh earlier like for me gayness was not acceptable for a long time and it made me really heavily reject the church because of that um for example my mother was extremely not accepting of me at first um, she like broke down into tears and promptly blamed me from sleepovers. And it was really difficult for me to, for a long time, to even think that like being a queer Catholic was like a possible sentence. Like all I heard was about how like gay people should not 
do their thing. Like, even if they're allowed to exist, like they cannot be themselves fully. And so that was like, it was really difficult for me. It wasn't until like I took queer theology actually that I was like, oh, wait, hold on. Maybe like these things can be connected and like can coexist. And I don't have to like reject the church so openly. Like I can still be a part of at least parts of it while being really like affirmed in my queer identity. Yeah, that's that's really beautiful. So it's, it's like very moving. I hear similar sentiments echoed in a lot of folks that I've talked to. So I, that's really lovely. Um, yeah. Anyway, how does how does your like queer identity experience interact with your faith today? That is really complicated. I would say it is something that I'm currently trying to figure out. Because a lot of my connection to womanhood actually comes from my connection to Our Lady of Guadalupe. You know, the the Mexican one. I told everyone and their mom that I did my thesis on her because I just adore her. I saw your thesis presentation. It was it was very you good. Did. You did. Thank you. And um, so like it's definitely a journey, a journey that I'm in the middle of, and I don't quite know how to talk about yet. It's something I'm actually exploring in therapy a lot. I have a Catholic therapist who like allows me to use Catholicism when I need it and reject it when I don't need it. Like right now I'm trying to find my spirituality and like come back to faith finally after so many years. And because I had like those ideas in my head for a long time, it's difficult, but I think mostly in the sense of womanhood, the womanhood that I feel connected to, I think Catholicism really celebrates that or Latin American Catholicism, I should specify, because they love the Virgin Mary. Mm -hmm. So I would say like, that's where my interconnectedness now comes from. Yeah, I think that that's really interesting about your Catholic therapist as well. Like knowing that that's an option that exists. I don't know. That's part of why we're doing this podcast is to help listeners like know of resources on their for their own stuff. And like it is possible to have a Catholic therapist who does uh, not like say you're actually not gay so <laughs> I will say sometimes I definitely still correct him but the most important thing is that he's really open to those corrections where he'll be like hey you've been in the community for a long time like what is this about and I'm like oh let me explain that to you so like it's definitely possible to find like good catholic people who can help you in like your queer journey with your relationship with religion so what did your faith look like growing up um, so I actually didn't start going to church until I was about eight. Um, my mother had a really life-changing experience where she had dreams, um, that basically made her go back into the faith. And from then on, my mother became, I wouldn't say a radical Catholic, but very Catholic. So like, she doesn't have any crazy ideas or anything, but like, she's very, very much Catholic. So because I think it was a shift later in my life, I was never super open to going to church. I thought it was boring. I hated the homily. Um, it was always really difficult for me to sit and listen because suddenly every Sunday we had to go to church and I had to take catechism classes once a week. And I had to do these things called reconciliation and first communion. So it was all really, really confusing to me. And I honestly, I rejected it for a really big part of my childhood because my mother made it feel like it was an obligation, which it kind of is, but she made it feel like the worst obligation possible. Like, even when I go home to this day, she's like, are you going to come to church with us this Sunday? And I'm like, no, you make me feel like I have to. 
Like, I don't want to do that. I think another issue as to why I fell out of the church was I went to a Catholic school for a year and a half that had a history of making mentally ill students leave so that the school would not be liable if anything happened to the student. So for a year and a half, I had a really strong Catholic community that was kind of helping figure things out. And then when that rejection happened to me and I had to leave the school, it, it once again kind of like reinforced that Catholicism didn't want me. That like I was not going to be accepted no matter what I did. And then it wasn't until I came to UP and I found that queer Catholics could actually exist and they were a thing where I kind of started to let my community back in and accept that like maybe there was something in Catholicism for me. Did you ever consider yourself a person of faith? Like as a child? No, I don't think I ever did. I mean, no, like I barely, I always, I always called myself Catholic in the way that cradle Catholics do. And like, I went to mass and I know everything about Catholicism, but I never considered myself even close to Catholic until recently. Could you explain the term cradle Catholic for the audience? You're right. Um, so a cradle Catholic <laughs> is someone that calls themselves Catholic, but doesn't really practice Catholicism anymore. Like there's someone who was probably raised and they go to mass maybe once a year or with their family, but they don't actively practice Catholicism, right? That's what that is. I'm not Catholic, so uh, I don't Sounds know. Good. <laughs> Sounds good. <right? laughs> that's, that's another issue with my community is I grew up assuming that everyone around me is Catholic. Like I was just kind of, because my family was, and that's the way my family was. Like I grew up assuming that the community was everyone. Yeah, I didn't grow up Catholic, but I also grew up assuming, like I didn't, understand that atheists were like like people actually didn't believe in god until i was like nine or ten like it took me a while in my life to realize that not everybody was a protestant christian <laughs> so i don't think I, I think that's a pretty natural thing for like a, a child to believe about their world mm -hmm. so within that the faith community what did gender roles look like um, well, my experience is very much colored by being Mexican um, because gender roles are pretty strict. Um, for example, I know um, my grandparents hated that my mom worked. They let her work for them so that they could like support her and give her like that you're working. But like my grandpa would always be like, why don't you just go back and raise your kids? My mom was like, no. So for me, I think the role of women felt very suffocating, which is why it took me so long to figure out that I wasn't, I didn't just like dislike parts of being a woman. I just wasn't fully women because it's kind of a suffocating role, especially the role of a woman child in a Latin American community, especially a Catholic Latin American community. There's a big like obey sign written on your forehead. I definitely was raised in like a binary that had specific roles. Like a big example of that is my grandmother. Every single meal makes a plate for my grandfather. And it is a sign of love, like fundamentally, but it also shows that like these gender roles are so strict and like fundamental to my culture and my family and everything I was raised in. Like, I don't know, like male priests. Actually, wait, one addendum to that is that my mother has this weird belief that women should be priests. Not weird. I think she's right. <laughs> <laughs> that was like 
Yeah, the, the first time I was like, wait, gender rules aren't like strict. What? Because she was like, yeah, I think the priest should be able to marry. Like, it's dumb that they don't get the support of a wife. And I was like, what? Are you kidding? But yeah, mostly really strict gender rules. Yeah. Okay. What was the range of general perceptions of diverse sexual orientations and gender identities within your faith communities? Like, what did people think? I wouldn't say my family's like outwardly like I hate gay people like they shouldn't exist Mm -hmm. but they're very much like gay people can exist as long as they're not having sex and like taking away from like childbearing couples like that was a big thing for me like if like the only valid couples are childbearing couples so they didn't it wasn't like explicit hate but it wasn't acceptance either and what about gender? Yeah. They didn't get gender. They didn't, like the, the roles are so strict in my community and culture that it's just like it's it's not even a topic a lot of them will ever understand. Will you talk about like the idea of of like the ability to have children as like a cultural value in a couple? Is if a straight couple chooses to not have children, is that like how does that inter- interact with that like gender expectation? And you don't have to answer that if you don't want to. No, it's fine. I don't mind. Um, it's, I don't want to put it this way, but like if I were to like rank how accepting they are of the couples, like they would be just like slightly above gay couples. Okay. Like if I told my mom I didn't want to have kids, especially because I am like in a straight passing relationship, like she would lose her mind. <laughs> she'd be like there's no way like it's very much seen like because catholicism at least the 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 catholic that i was raised is very much like your goal in life is to have children like your goal is to continue to spread the word of god and spread like the children of god through your children that's interesting because of how many people our age leave the church because of these issues Yeah. yeah um in the last couple years when I've come to accept every part of myself, Catholicism has played a role in that. And like loving myself, mostly through my Catholic therapist, God bless him. Um, But like, it's played a role in like the final stages of accepting myself as a person in my early, almost mid twenties. I'm sorry, I swore there. I'm in my mid (laughs) twenties. But like, yeah, in my later years, it's played a role and just general acceptance of myself. All right. So this is this requires a reflection on an era of life you have just left, but <laughs> how has attending college affected or changed your faith? I know, I just I just happened to read I have five years of it. Um I think attending a Catholic college was a really cool decision. Because I figured that if I was going to go to a Catholic college in Portland, there had to be some cool courses. And I was correct. It gave me a completely new view of Catholicism that I had never had before. Because like my main source for that was my mom, who's like a kind of like a closed ball of Catholicism. Like she believes what she believes and she doesn't really care what anyone else thinks. And going to college specifically like UP made me realize there's so much more and there's so much more interpretation available because for me what I was raised with like the bible is the words you see on the page that's it 
like you cannot reinterpret like what the priest says is what goes and then going to up and taking classes that took me through the whole bible it took me through other religions and how they were similar and especially queer theology it was like oh my god there's so much more to catholicism that i just wasn't exposed to and that was really really cool to learn about and see you have any examples it's okay if not. <sighs> well can you repeat the question one more time uh well i i just meant about like the all of the things about oh like that that you were new, newly exposed to i would say when i learned i think i learned this in class i don't remember who because it, i i took two years of zoom school dude i took queer theology zoom school like it's not my best yeah but um i learned that like the the bible wasn't like direct like when I started interpreting these verses and people in class would be like, I think it means this. And I think it means that. And the professor would be like, you're all correct, actually. Like yeah. it just completely shifted my view of Catholicism. What does your faith look like in relation to the UP community? Did you have a faith group of people? <laughs> no, I wish I did. My freshman year, a little bit when I was trying to kind of, you know, when you're trying to find your footing freshman year and like figure out, I know you guys just had this, but like you're trying to like figure it out a little bit, like where you stand. I went to um, weekly chapel in Shipstead for a little bit. And I actually enjoyed that more than I thought I would. Like it was, again, one of the first experiences where faith was fun and not like something I had to do. It was something that I could do. Um, how, how has attending college affected your like gender and sexuality identities? It's like formation experience. I think college in general is kind of a fast track to figuring out who you are. It doesn't feel fast when it's happening and then it's done and you're like, oh my God, I'm a whole new person than when I started. <laughs> um, I finally felt comfortable enough to come out about my gender in college. As like I said previously, like that's where I finally was like, you know what? I am enough non-binary to like mention this. And like, I wouldn't have been able to do that, to do that without like my community of friends and Aiden Brown or whatever the man I love who like I laid in bed that night and went I think I'm non-binary and he went okay so, you know like it just it really helped me become comfortable with who I am and I think I don't even think it was just any college would have done that I do as much as I have my issues with UP like attribute some of that to UP's community um what resources at UP have you found to be helpful in terms of supporting your faith or experience as a queer person? I would say as a queer person, oh, this is, this is a long time ago. When like a month into my freshman year, um, we had a priest come who was the brother of Anthony Scalia, the Supreme Court Justice. And you were, you were, you're in Portland, right? So you're from Portland. You probably know this happened. No, I'm, well, I'm from Oregon, but I have heard about this happening. I think, like, I think through actually um, a professor who Shane, Shane and I both have worked with um, through Jeff Gautier. Oh, yeah. Told us oh, about yeah. So, like, I've, I've heard about this happening a couple of times, but please. Oh, you'll like the story, Zora. Um, I actually, Delizer sat us down as a choir and went, hey, I understand if none of if you guys don't want to sing for this. But however, I have a different plan that says we can put little gay pins on all our choir stuff and sing that way. And I actually, he gave me like a space where I genuinely opted out. I said, I do not want this man to hear my voice. 
at the time I was really going through it with Catholicism and my identity. So I was really mad. And he, the whole choir accepted me. They went, okay, you don't have to sing. And they all went over their gay pins and the school allowed us to protest. They allowed us to like peacefully stand outside of the church and protest. And that was so cool and forming, like, I don't know, seeing that like Catholicism could accept me. What was the question again? I know there was another part to this. They well, give queer people space and like they could definitely do more. But I think as someone coming in who thought that queer people didn't have a space in Catholicism, it was so cool to see that happen. Like as soon as I started in the school, it was literally like September of my freshman year. Really cool. Yeah. Um, so for people listening who don't know, Delizer, Dr. Delizer is the choir director at the University of Portland. I think that's really, that's really cool. I did not know that. I know. Shout out to him. He always made queer people feel like they could be in a space. Like he once said, I am more left than any of you could ever imagine. And I take that with me in my heart. That's really beautiful. All right. In a similar vein, what faith-based resources have you found to be helpful at UP? Uh, you mentioned like the weekly chapel and Shipstad, but have there, were there other things that were helpful? Dr. Daniels, Dr. Brandy Daniels. <laughs> help me discover for the first time that queer people like could genuinely be accepted in Catholicism and that was so amazing for me I remember me and Aiden would sit down after a class and be like this is like this makes zoom class like worth it like this is great like I just because he knew he wanted to affirm me and I felt so firm that it was so just fun and if they could have like I would love to see more queer Catholic resources on campus because I think that's what queer people are missing, especially because if like you were raised Catholic, they just need to see that there's that intersection that can exist. And if there's like, I don't know, more queer theology classes, more theology classes that focus on just gender, like stuff like that, it, it'd be amazing. What is your experience with the relationship between gender and sexuality and the Catholic Church at UP? I mean, I don't think I had like a bad experience with them. I don't think they ever like reached out to the queer community at UP. I mean, I missed two years of college fully of like events. And then my last two years were also still iffy. So I don't know if they would have done more, but I feel like they could definitely amp it up, especially because we're in Portland, Oregon. Like there's queer people coming to your school. Like it's, it's up in time to like create more programs and like resources for them. And so how does then like your faith um, affect your thoughts, feelings, opinions about UP as a school? Oh, this is so complicated. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I have no idea how I would answer that. I know, because it's like, <laughs> I don't think I have issues with the faith aspect of UP. The one thing I do have issue with is that I know they allow anti-abortion clubs and they do not allow pro-abortion clubs sorry pro-abortion is not how i should say that um pro-choice clubs <laughs> yeah. they allow pro-life and not pro-choice clubs yeah. so i think that's the only way where i felt like whoa hold on guys like slow it down but i don't i have issues with up that are not related to faith so i don't think they need to be stirred up here well, but like i can't say i know there are faculty members on record that have expressed homophobia and transphobia before and the school is very hesitant to do anything about it so occasionally they could step it up so does university policy affect your faith in any way or did it when you were a student i think it depends because like yeah there's aspects of like catholic rules that i think are like 
unnecessary. Like I think, for example, like like I mean, I guess it's every college you can't share a dorm bed with like a significant other. But like when it's under the pretense of Catholicism, I'm like, come on, you guys, this is like a college. But they also never really like did anything about that. So, you know, it wasn't like something they cared about. Um, the gender identity thing for sure. I'm like, hey guys, put that in. Like where where is that? Like what is stopping you from putting like gender identity discrimination in your policies? But I honestly, I respected university policy most of the time. I didn't think it had an impact on my faith or what I thought of Catholicism in general. Because any any policy that I disagree with was just a Catholic like belief that I had my own personal issues with and was working with like through. So. Oh, I think it's, I think it's my, yeah, okay. yeah. Okay. Are there university policies that you believe have an impact on the like social and cultural climate? No, because like, I don't know if you're gonna have to cut this again, but like Interviz is the only one, but like, they don't really like heavily enforce it. Not saying the school should, please don't heavily enforce Interviz. Like, I don't feel like their policy is too strong, except for like the parts they should like fix clearly and add like more discriminatory anti-discriminatory policies and then i guess more specifically regarding lgbtq students and non-discrimination policies have you seen university policy affect your peers no because they don't apply it to professors the policy like i don't think i've known i mean there's probably some out there but i never encountered a student that would be homophobic towards me or any of my friends but however i've encountered professors that would be so i think like if the policy extended truly to everyone, then it would be actually protecting people. What is the difference between the way that like policies are extended to students or professors? Or like, can you elaborate on what you were saying, I guess? Yeah, I feel like tenured professors have a certain ability to just get away with anything. And I think that's not necessarily a UP issue, more so as a higher education issue. But I think UP is really strong on being like as progressive as a university as they can be. And like they like to flaunt that a lot. Well, at the time I know like multiple professors that should absolutely not be teaching. I shouldn't say that. That's a little strong. Multiple professors that like should go into training and like really be held to the policies rules of like anti-discriminatory policies. Yeah. Do you see like any specific difference between how um, gender identity and sexual orientation are treated in terms of that? Like as far as discrimination from professors no I mean the experiences I've had have just been like like you know those like when someone makes like a vaguely homophobic remark and like it's not like aggressively homophobic where you can say anything about it but it's enough that it gives you a double take and you're like what did you just say and I wouldn't see like any discrimination between like I've heard both transphobic and like well actually I would say no I've heard well the incident i'm talking about is an incident that's actually on school record i think because it happened when i was in class and i would say that was just generally like a homophobic and transphobic statement so i would say they're about the same like from the professors that feel that way um do you have any anecdotes or experiences that you would like to share about the university regarding lgbtq students and faith and policy effects I would just like to personally thank Dr. Brandy Daniels again for having such a wonderful class because like that class has not only helped me come to terms with like 
queerness and like Catholicism, but even my family. Because when I brought up to my family that I was taking a class called queer theology, they all were like, how does that work? And like, I explained to them how it works. And like, it definitely opened their eyes a little bit. So I think that's the best thing you can do is take, is have more classes on queerness, like, and what it means to be queer and how that affects like our society. Listen up, little queer listeners. <laughs> that's a good resource. Listen up. Be queer. I don't know if this is, I'll, I might check with Dr. Daniels before putting this in the podcast, but I was talking to her about it and I was like, oh, I can't take it this fall because I haven't done all the prerequisites. And she's like, you don't need the prerequisites. Just ask me and you can take it. That's what happens in any university class. If the professor likes you and you're like, oh, your class is full. They're like, no, it's not. Watch this. Bonk. <laughs> like Dr. Franco did that for me once. I was like, I really want to take your Age of Crusades class. It's full. And he emailed me back and he was like, you're already in it you're welcome amazing all right this is kind of the hopeful looking up looking forward question that I really like um but it's I think Shane wrote it also so good good job (laughs) but what is your idea of the best way forward for Catholic schools and LGBTQ students what actions do you want to see tried what solutions make you hopeful I want to see more intersection I think it might be a crazy idea but I think a specifically like Catholic queer club that is open to not only if you're just Catholic but if you were raised Catholic and are looking for that kind of experience would be so amazing because then you get people like me who like rejected Catholicism for so long who are able to learn from like not only a professor but their peers that those two things can exist together And I think it would be so awesome to just have more queer things on campus in general, you know, like celebrate queerness, put that stuff in the halls, you know, and sexuality partnership and our music is by Casey James in the halls, you you know, all of this information, put it in more of your homilies priests out there for like chapel and stuff, you know, we're like I said earlier, we're in Portland, Oregon. There's a ton of queer people here and there's a ton of queer people looking for a community to be accepted into. Why not make it Catholicism? And with that, Fabi, what a quote. That's beautiful, What a quotable ending. Uh, I know, we held the silence a little bit because it's like, do we need to hold that? I felt like I ranted and rambled this whole podcast. That final quote, I was like, slam. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Queerness in the Shadow of the Holy Cross. We have been Zora Richardson and Shane Rule. Our advisor is Dr. Brandy Daniels. Our cover art is by the University of Portland Gender and Sexuality Partnership, and our music is by Casey James. You can find all of this information and more on our show notes page at the Chirp Lab website at chirp-lab.com.